Lead, lead, lead. What is happening? Welcome to Working Hours, a show about a place called Leeds, a time called Now, and an activity called Work. Working Hours wants to record 1,000 loiners over the course of this, the most important decade in the history of the human species, and ask them what they do all day and hear how they feel about it. My name is Simon, and this is all my fault. What did you want to be when you grew up? So when I was little, I first wanted to be a pirate. That was probably nice. the main thing. And even to this day, I'll say to people, when I say, what's your favorite color? I'm like, it's sea blue, because <laughs> I want to be a pirate on, on the sea. <laughs> that was a real big thing for me. Pi- piracy seemed, seemed the only natural yeah. like job opportunity. Yeah. But then like I was always the kid that loved writing and scribbling and, and creating little stories and what we would now, I guess, call fan fiction. Mm. I, I came across, actually, I've been sorting loads of stuff out of my parents' house, and I found an old like Star Wars fan fiction I'd written in like 1994 or something. Yeah. Uh, when I was like five or six. Uh, and um, yeah, so like write, to be a writer, to be probably more like a playwright, I think. Yeah. My mum used to take me to see a lot of um, local community plays like Murder Mysteries. Yeah. Um, or like a couple of like Terry Pratchett's because lo- basically local Amdram stuff, that's what we could afford to see <laughs> is like, you know, £1.50 tickets. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, Yeah, so I always just wanted to be the kid that wanted to write down stories, create stories. You're listening to Series 3, Episode 13, and to my guest, Henry Rabbi. This is another face-to-face interview recorded on the 13th of May, 2022. Hello, loves. Henry Rabbi is a York-based performance poet, theatre maker, playwright, and workshop facilitator. His work has been described as playful, highly charged, passionate, and anarchic. He's performed at festivals and events across the UK, been published by Burning Eye Books, and runs York spoken word organisation, Say Out. He's half of Vandal Factory Theatre Company and has worked for various theatres. He leads work in schools, youth theatres, and community groups. Chapel FM is the first ever arts venue in East Leeds. Last year, they had a massive 78% increase in the number of the visitors attending the centre. Take a look at their redesigned website to see the massive range of events, broadcasting and training that go on at Chapel FM. Chapel FM's overall aim is to have a positive impact in their local area, Seacroft and East Leeds. Their theory of change states, we aim to develop East Leeds as a community that has pride, vision and hope for the future, where people welcome and share new ideas and work together to make things happen. You can see more about their full theory of change at chapelfm.co.uk forward slash about forward slash our hyphen organization. And you can find out more about Henry Rabbi at henryrabbi.com. Like, share, follow and subscribe to this podcast. I am doing all I can to bring this to you. So if you do like anything about it, please follow and promote the show on and off social wherever you can, whenever you remember to. Please give money to this show and please give me any feedback, questions or comments that you may have. Email workinghourspod at western-studios.com or use one of my social channels to get in touch. Links for all of those social channels will be at the end of this episode. Now, please enjoy this totally free and totally ad-free, as far as I know, episode of Working Hours with Henry Rabbi from Chapel FM. So what do you do now? So now I guess I have three hats. Mm -hmm. I have loads more, but let's go with three. So um, the main one is we are here in Chapel FM Art Centre. So since April of 2021, yeah. Uh, so a year and a month, I've been the broadcasting worker here. Yeah. So that's a full-time job. And since I left uni in 2010, it's been the first time I've ever had a, a full-time job and not 
either freelance or zero hour contracts work. So my other hats have become a bit more reduced over the last year as yeah. I'm just managing this new frame of working in this structure. But um, my other hats are one is I'm the artistic director of Say Out. We're a poetry spoken words organization based in York, yeah. where I'm from. Um, and we put on gigs and workshops and events. And we've had a couple of funding from Arts Council. Bid's been successful. Um, but over the past few years, we've tried to minimize because we've all gone in different directions and doing different things, but we're still putting on events. Yeah. And then the other one is just as a freelance poet and writer and still trying to, trying to be that that kid that wants to tell those stories. Yeah. Uh, so part of that has been trying to, I've, I've published a book in 2018 for Burning Eye Books and trying to think about another collection and still writing and being creative. Um, and yeah, when, when I get a chance to like doing gigs as a, in a personal capacity as, as a performance poet. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, let's go with a kind of work-life balance thing mm -hmm. to begin with then. So does that, I mean, does it give you the kind of flexibility that you want or is it kind of stretching you too thin? I, I mean, I need, I've needed to make the decisions to, to, I mean, I think over the years, every so often you have a bit of a spring clean of all the stuff that you do when you're a person working in the creative sector. So, you know, for a long time, I really tried to make zines and I'd, I'd um, publish people's zines and I'd take them to zine fairs. And there was a point I was like, I just can't keep doing like selling zines 50p. I love zines. I love zine culture, mm. but I can't keep this as a, a string to the bow. Yeah. Um, I said about wanting to write plays and theatre and I love theatre and plays, mm. but there was a point when I sort of went, I, I just don't think I'm getting that the work in yeah. through it. And I have to decide like, I you know, still want to write and still in the theatre company and still have that ambition, mm. but I'm not knocking on doors anymore. I'm not going to poetry writing. Mm. I'm not entering competitions. I'm not going to events. I just don't have the time to have that string to the bow. Mm. Um, so, and certainly, so for, for, you know, 10 years, 11 years of being a freelancer, you just fill every moment you've got with trying to get work or you feel guilty and lazy. Mm. And if you don't do that, you think that, well, am I going to be able to pay my rent or am I being a bit of a failure or, or I, I, I for me, I always refer to it as the land of should. I should be doing better. I should be playing this gig. I should be applying for this money. Mm. Um, and um, that's not a healthy, like ambition is great. Having a drive is great, but like having to, like putting too much in the next stage, the next stage, climbing that mountain means that you're not looking at where you are now and yeah. where, where you what where you what is nurturing about where you are at the moment. And so w with having this job of five days, yeah, I've definitely felt. I, I want to put on more gigs or I want to perform more, certainly write more. Like I am feeling like, oh man, when's the last time I like, and not just write, but like edit as well. I, mm. I learn the poems. I feel like, yeah, I've written some stuff, but I'm still like, uh, like a few years ago, I would have done this loads of open mics and I would have like chipped away at it and mm. structured it better. And it would now be in my repertoire. But I'm like, man, I wrote that two years ago and it's still not, not there yet. Um, yeah. but I love what I'm doing here and it's, and it's that new challenge and it really did feel like, um, so I got it when I was 32 and it really did feel like, okay, I'm in my thirties now. This feels like the next stage for me, the new job, the fresh approach, um, which is really exciting. And yeah, sometimes I go, oh, if it was four days a week, could mm. I also do this other stuff? Mm. But really like, it's just nice to be like, this is the role I have. Mm. which is good so yeah it's hard to balance everything but mm. i've always been balancing stuff since 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 leaving uni and going like what do i do <laughs> what is it 
Okay, so uh, I'm going to go straight with COVID then mm -hmm. from this because I think it would be interesting. I think it'll tie in interestingly. Um, so, I mean, the question is to kind of explore if COVID's kind of had any f effect or change on your work, but it's interesting as well to say, you know, hear people's story of going into lockdown mm. uh, and just to think of that that initial bit of lockdown. So take us through your, your lockdown experience. Were you working more, working less? Did you get furloughed? Were you working yeah. at all? So I was, my, my, as well as the freelance, I was working zero hours contract in uh, an escape room, mm. um, which was sort of there just to make sure I had enough money for rent and food mm. at the end of the month mm. is, is fine, little fun job. And, um, obviously you can't, that's not, what's the term? That's not, not emergency. What's the like important, vital mm. work that essential is, work. Is, essential work. That's yeah, it. It's yeah. not essential work in an escape room. So that was like, clearly like we got <laughs> furloughed as soon, like as soon as they announced, like there's a furlough scheme, we, mm. I think there's like three of us in the office and we were like, well, that, that's us then, like yeah. surely. Um, so followed from that, and um, I think I, I mean, it, you know, it's terrifying times. Um, but if I'm brutally honest, and I don't know how much this gets talked about. I sort of was like, cool. Well, I get to read lots of books, mm. and I'm going to watch some films, mm. and I'm going to work on. I'm trying to write a book about again, so many strings to the bow. I'm trying to write a book about the history of protest music in the past decade over mm. the age of austerity. So it's chance to just sit back and go, what, what could it, what could, what mm. could I also do? Um, so it was on universal credit. I wasn't eligible for any, um, of the, the self-help self-employed support schemes because, um, 50% of my income had come mm. from, uh, uh, pay work or mm. zero hours work. And, um, I think one year I had earned more, like I, I was slowly climbing up that, mm. that little ladder of like moving the scales so that I was more freelance than, than the zero hour stuff with the escape room or, um, mm. I was also doing, uh, working as an usher at the theatre Royal. So it was mm -hmm. just sort of like eking over to the other side, but, um, not enough. So it was just being very lean and quite careful and, you know, it wasn't anywhere else to go. Um, so yeah, really scary of like, what is this? thing but initially was like i'll just i'll just i'll just be productive because that's how my brain works i'll just crack on i'm that sort of person that has to be like i need to i mean it's less about trying to be productive and ambitious and more about trying to find things to fill my time yeah. i'm the sort of person that when i wake up i'm instantly like pop the radio on pop a youtube video on get my word out, um <laughs> uh watch film like just like i have to have things going on yeah, yeah. in in to to drown out the the void yeah. um so that was initially and then of course as things go on um i realized i wasn't getting i wasn't getting any work any offers and the art sector had had its emergency funding so a lot of people were doing like zoom gigs zoom events like we need people to run workshops and i did feel that i you know no one was really dropping me a message going we need you to, do you want to come and run this do you want to come and run yeah, that yeah. do you want to perform here yeah, yeah. which is fine i really don't want to sound bitter about that i just think as artists we need to be really honest and i was like i i just no one was was yeah and other people were, uh, friends of mine that i really value fantastic performers poets writers directors theater people were getting really good opportunity not, not really good opportunities don't want to sound so like 
but they were getting work. There were, there were, I think there was work out there um, that, that was with this emergency funding. Not much of it. And, you know, it's all in bits and pieces and it yeah, was yeah. scary for everyone. I'm not saying that anyone was secure in any way, but yeah, it was. But it's the kind of like, what what am I not doing that they're doing? Or, yeah. You know. Um, and so I generally was thinking I need to retrain. I mm. felt like I needed to go, What what's the next stage of my life? career going to be and I was looking quite seriously at, at retraining as an English teacher mm-hmm. I, I have an English literature degree mm-hmm. I've worked in secondary schools as a as a as a poet and a writer mm-hmm. and an artist in residence so I was like I think I think that's that's if I went to anything but that means that that's that's your job like yeah. I ain't, I'm not going and putting on loads yeah, of yeah. other gigs like yeah. if you are a teacher that is the hours you're doing and I, you know I totally would I think get a lot out of that. I love working with young people. I, I come from a youth theatre background. That is my jam. Mm. But that does require a big shift in, in your career and life. So that was something I was considering. Um, I was talking to a few friends that had been teachers and and just had left the profession for various reasons. I did a module in understanding autism, which made me understand a lot more about myself. I don't have a diagnosis. I'm definitely dyspraxic. Um, mm. I tick all those boxes. Mm. But certainly reflected over the year about who I am and what I write and what where I want to do go in life. Um, are you putting that on the page or are you just doing that in your head? Um, no, I wasn't putting anything on the page really. Yeah. I did write a piece. I saw a uh, poet Molly Naylor put on Twitter um, saying, what three words describe you um, as a little exercise? And I decided it was scrawny midday nerd was, was, <laughs> was the way I describe myself. So I did write a poem that was about my aesthetic, like who I am. And yeah. I feel that was the most sort of reflective but it's only like yeah it's a it's a short piece yeah, yeah. I've, i i said to people like we're still living through it like it's okay if you don't have the lockdown poem in fact i don't actually want to hear that we when we were able to slowly put on gigs and events so i was afraid to listen to the lockdown poem and everyone needs to express themselves in a certain way for sure i don't, I don't police that mm. um but certainly i wasn't ready to go this is i am i have the answer i have yeah. the thing that i'm going to talk about yeah so yeah it was certainly in my head and it's hard because all your friends are going through really difficult situations. So people don't want to, you, you're the shoulder for people, sure. But you're also n- not there to have these like, oh, where am I, what am I doing in my life? When that other person's mm-hmm. going, what am I doing in my life? And to different degrees. Mm-hmm. There's times I was talking to my friends, I was like, oh, come on, come on, mate. Like, be a bit proactive. I was, I applied for so many jobs in various degrees, some for like mm-hmm. a 200 pound commission through to full-time work and yeah. uh you know didn't didn't get anything but i tried to be proactive and productive and work it out well at the same time being like oh where, where's yeah this i mean how did how did you sort of organize yourself for that what did you give yourself like nine to five i'm going to be sat in the corner on the computer or like did you have a space to work in or was it just i should be doing more you know you sort of got up and kind of like tried to do a load of stuff then got frustrated and yeah yeah like... i think um yeah, I, I, I'm I quite bad actually at setting up a space and a time and structure. It's something I've really never been able to nail down. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was more about like a bit here and there. So it's it's like you get up and you like, stru- like fortify, solidify yourself for the day and then do a bit of work, mm-hmm. but not too late. And then like read a book for a bit or like watch something in the evening, hang out with my flatmate. I don't, I don't think that's probably the best, most productive way, but it, it, it's certainly what I wasn't treating it like a nine to five. I wasn't seeing it in that stretch, but that's, I am quite 
it's quite bad for me to coordinate a lot of that stuff anyway so i don't yeah. i don't and think, you don't want you know if you wanted to do a nine to five job you would have gone and been working in an office nine to five you know yeah, you, yeah. you've taken an artistic route for a, for a yeah, reason yeah. <laughs> yeah and you know i was also looking at like yeah other other like non-artistic jobs as well yeah, yeah. doing wrong like it wasn't that i was like oh yeah i can't bear to work anywhere else <laughs> it was just a case of been strategic and tactical in what yeah. I want to apply for. And I guess a good thing and a bad thing, the double-edged sword, is when you have done so much stuff, what is that route to take? So two examples of jobs I applied for. One was um, working as a producer mm. and I've put on events and I've coordinated things and scheduled and budgeted and timetabled and toured. So yeah, I can absolutely produce things. Mm. And one was uh, being the assistant in an after-schools primary school club in a village just outside of, outside of York. I love working with young people. I've mm. worked, you know, the, I started off working as an assistant in the youth theatre and then mm. became a youth theatre director and then have like, you know, been a facilitator and done freelance in school. So yeah, great. I I was absolutely fine to be like, this is a little mm. like after-schools thing I do Monday to Friday for mm. a couple of hours and that's a nice bit of money that like, I, I would have happy happily been either, but they're very different roles. <laughs> they're yeah. very different jobs with different time structures. So it is hard by going, well, which one do you go for? Which one do you focus on? And yeah. I, and it just was, I was just throwing stuff at the wall and, and yeah, seeing yeah. what happened. And then this job came up. Um, I mean, there was one job, to be honest, that I was like, God, I've, I've got I've got this and not, I'm get, definitely going to get it, but like, surely I should get an interview. Yeah. And I didn't. Yeah. And I, and, but and it was an organization I'd worked with quite a lot. Yeah, it was, not, yeah. it was like again producing, putting on things, programming, managing um, live events. I really thought they'd be like, "Oh, cool, Henry's popped in an application. Let's let's have." But they didn't. It's fine. Like I'm not. There's no. It's problem. fine, but it's still like it still hurts. It's still like demoralizing when you're trying. You're yeah. trying to motivate yourself and. You know, like you need wins to keep doing that, don't it, you? If Yeah, even, you know, I never have any assumption that I'll even get something, but I yeah. thought that I was so far along in the career and the relationship with yeah. this organisation that you go, yeah. oh, surely like yeah. I'm at a point where like they consume in the interview. Yeah. But then you just sort of go, look, like so many people are applying for stuff. Mm. It's so competitive. And also that because they know me, Mm. might not might just know they're not right for that role mm. like that doesn't that's that just means i'm right for other things or it's mm. next time around um but yeah this job as broadcasting worker at chapel fm art center came up and um it just seemed to take <laughs> wheelers was saying like so many different things so many mm. different hats so many different aspects so it's working with young people in training mm. it's managing a schedule of events so it's programming and producing mm. and it's also in community arts and being accessible and welcoming and um um, being it's sort of political to go we are a community centre so what does community look like how do we make our spaces accessible and mm. and and open and mm. being able to talk about that and talk about ideas so yeah I think it's alright to say I didn't initially get the job here to somebody else that person <laughs> couldn't do it I was a second choice so again there was this like I came out of it being like really positive that I'd got to it's the most I'd got along with it to like a second yeah. or third stage yeah yeah um, I felt and the, and I felt like I'd come along and made a new relationship with an organisation. Yeah. It was, as you say, it was those wins that really did feel like a win. Yeah. And that was at the end of twenty nine, uh, end of twenty twenty into going into twenty twenty one. So I did feel like I was like going into the new year with a little bit of a spring, yeah. just because I'd got an interview, yeah, yeah. Um, which was important. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, and then you eventually 
got the job. So was it? Um, were they in-person interviews at that stage? I had a Zoom interview with board members yeah. and then I, uh, and staff, and then I ran a, a workshop on Zoom with young people. Yeah, um, that was just about how you put together a radio show, what radio is. But mm. they were like, it's you know, it's. I mean, it is about that content, but it's also about how you interact and engage, which I was, I think I came out of it like, okay, like I, I, I feel like that is my bread and butter. So I am like, I'm sure there's times I've gone into workshops and it's not worked and there's times I've nailed it. So yeah. I felt like I was like, I'm okay. I'm okay on that. Yeah, yeah. And then I had an in-person interview um, yeah. here, um, which was, uh, yeah, they're always daunting. And especially, <laughs> especially when, you know, you don't, when you're freelance, you don't tend to interview much as a freelancer. You tend to like, because they're little pockets of work. Yeah. And it's normally through a recommendation. Yeah. yeah so like you don't. worked with before. Yeah. I, I actually, I, I, I just want to say I did do a really nice project at the start of 2021. That was another like, okay, I'm doing the right thing. Where like, um, it was to work with Doncaster's theatre, which is called CAST, um, mm. doing online Zoom workshops in playwriting with two different age groups. Mm, and they created cool. a, um, they wrote some plays that then were mm. performed by professional actors and that was over a couple of months. Mm. And yeah, I really, really enjoyed that project. And, and it really made me go like, yeah, I can, I do have a specialism. Mm. It's young people in writing. And I mm. felt like I did a really good project with them and, mm. and, and built a really nice relationship with cast actually. Like, um, they're a really nice venue and really loves his staff team. And, mm. and, uh, then I got offered this job and, and then they came back and offered me a bit more work. And it's, mm. I tell you what's been bizarre. This is such a frigging humble brag to be able to turn down work yeah. after 11 years and, yeah, yeah. and i'm sorry to all the people out there that are struggling like i really feel you and i totally get that solidarity so i'm sorry this sounds such a knob heady thing to say but like to be in a position where you go i'm sorry i can't fit that into mm. but but i think there was also a thing i had been offered some work and i sort of go oh, i could probably mm. probably do that i could probably fit that in but i go for my own mental health and time capacity mm. no but also i was like I'll uh, give this to another freelancer. Here's well, that's, the that's what I was like, going to say. Yeah. Do you refer people? Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Like yeah. I've done that a few times. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and I don't want like it, I don't want a good guy award. Favors, it, doesn't it? I mean, because you you recommend, you send yeah, a few yeah. people their business that way, and hopefully yeah. they reciprocate. And that happened to me as well. Like yeah. people have passed on stuff to me. So it's an ecology of freelancing in arts that you have yeah. to look after each other a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You're, you're kind of competing, but you're also having to cooperate. Oh, man. Com yeah, like competing. That I mean, that's definitely what I felt. And like, no one's actively competing as in they're trying to scupper each other. Yeah. But yeah, I did feel over lockdown that like that competition of there's only so many opportunities out mm. there. I mean, there's always so many opportunities, mm. but yeah, like some people, yeah, it's, it's hard. That's why I think like to... As much as I have like so many interests, like to be really specialized in what that thing is. If you need yeah. someone to work with young people to create something, great. If you need someone that's a bit political and sharp and punky, mm. that's me. If you need someone that does X, Y, Z, oh, sorry, that's that's not me because yeah. that's not my specialism. Yeah. You, you're kind of in an odd position because you had that experience through lockdown. So it's not like there's a, a continuity of like mm. before and after for you with it. Uh, so I've got a question about Brexit. So I dropped mm. that in early because... Um, yeah, because because of that situation. So, have you noticed any difference in the way that you work pre and post Brexit? Has it affected your work at all? In terms of the amount of work or the opportunities or offers, mm. no, I wouldn't say so. Mm. Um, I can definitely say that I know 
friends that work in theatre where European partnerships have been a really key thing mm. and that money has 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 just gone. There's a few sort of legacy projects that are happening that I think have were in place before, mm. but um the projects that people were doing like Pilot Theatre in, in York, um, I knew that they were they 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 were doing lots of stuff. And I, I took I don't know if this came with EU funding, but I took part in a youth exchange when I was 18 and I went to Germany and it was the first time I'd gone abroad without my parents and met other young people from all over Europe. And yeah, people go, but do you need the EU to do that? People always say, but you can still do projects like that. But I think this sense of like European community and connectivity is, has really been uh, made threadbare. Like, and it's a, it's a bit of a, it's, it's not like a thing that you do. It's the hot potato, it's the elephant, it's the struggle, it's the thing that you sort of have to weirdly justify or find. But in terms of the work I've done, not not necessarily. But what it has influenced um, is, you know, racism and nationalism absolutely existed before 2016. Mm. But um, no one can deny, no matter what side of the fence you fall on mm. and all the economic reasons you can throw out, there's no doubt that the that the toxicity around getting our country back and nationalism and borders was completely inflamed throughout that, mm. throughout um, the, the campaigns and then beyond. Yeah. And, and it's only just been heightened and pushed and pushed and pushed. And I think as artists, that is absolutely our responsibility, especially as, as you know, myself, I'm a, I'm a white man, like I'm, I'm a, a, a British citizen a national um uh, my gran was from germany but otherwise i am i'm probably like the tick box for all the mm. recruitment drives that people would want into mm. uh racist movements actually like we really need to put our lines in the sand and say this is not acceptable and whether that's in angry punky poetry that you know i've written enough of those of like like if you want your country back, then you build a time machine, you visit 1381 and you shake hands with Watt Tyler. That's like a line from a, a poem I wrote at the time. that mm. was just like, what does this even mean? But like throughout to the work you do to make sure that you are absolutely, yeah, drawing those lines in the sand. We don't always get it right, but we really do try and work program to make sure it's it's as diverse as possible and it isn't just a bunch of white people on a stage because that's still buying into a really toxic narrative of like whose faces are you seeing, whose voices are you hearing, whose ideas are being platformed and shared. So yeah, it's just it's just within the DNA now of everything that we do. And and here at the chapel, just being really conscious of we have a, a Care to Calais have a group of um asylum seekers that come and use the space um just to you know get some some fresh clothes or just to play a game of ludo and just meet and chat and mm. maybe some interpreters around and to really be like and and when they were starting here one person came to the door and uh and was like oh just seeing how many there are in there like that level of like suspicion you have to really be like actually no this this is an open space and we're not we're not accepting any of that like mm, okay mm. all yeah. right uh, because that is uh, and, and locally in seacroft um oh, what they're called um patriotic alternative who are a far-right group mm. um have, they've been organizing because seacroft is is quite a white area mm. and so they've been 
mobilizing and we just need as an organization to go it's it's not enough to be a bit liberal and like oh no well mm. we're not racist it's you have to be anti-racist and mm. that's what i'm getting but again it's really easy for me to to do all those platitudes and sat here and i'm i'm in a very safe comfortable position mm. um i think it's a constant conversation for how we are we can be the best allies we can be mm. um so that's that's where I, that's how Brexit has influenced my thinking. Mm. It's, you know, it's not anything that I didn't think before 2016, but mm. like that's, that's where the country is and that's where you need to, and, and, and bring people together as well, like, and build communities and build that idea of like, okay, well, you know, we're out of the EU, fine. It's a, you know, it's a, um, an economic structure whether it did good or bad, fine. We're not, I'm not having those conversations. What I'm having the conversation now is like, how much do you believe of the, we're getting our country back narrative mm. that, that is, that is so toxic. It, it, you know, it could burn through a table. Mm. Anyway, there's a little ramble for you. <laughs> Which I get right. Uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll lead it into social media. How much social media do you have to do for your job? Does it take up a lot of time? Does it invade your time? Do you have to do social media for your job? And if you do, do you feel that you get a good return on investment from social media? Do you, does it, does it benefit the time that you put into it? Do you get that return back in that it's really worthwhile for you to do? I'm so addicted to social media. Mm. It's, it's a, it's a, just a go-to for me that if I find, I said like just filling my brain with content, mm. if I find that like, I just find that my hand just goes to my phone, goes mm. to my pocket. It's just, it, you know, pulls out every so often, refresh. That's not healthy. I'm trying to manage that and deal with that. I run accounts for all the different stuff I do. I have like a work account that I set up when I got this job that was just me in a personal capacity, just sharing some of the stuff we're doing, just give a little extra boost to the Chapel FM stuff. I usually share about the shows we've got. I'm trying to do one tweet per show mm. just to push and encourage broadcasters to also share and get that out there because um, we we're a, we are a small staff team. We don't have someone in charge of marketing comms. We mm. need to do it ourselves. Mm which I do feel is part of my job, but I wish that it was someone, I know, I understand social media. I've had to, I've had to learn about it in the same way. I've had to learn how to edit audio. I've had to learn about um, booking tours. Like you have to self-teach yourself. Um, I didn't do a degree in it or anything, but I wish someone that was more competent in it could do it. But mm. you know, I know the times to post on it. I know what works. I'll put some emojis in there. Mm. So I do that on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. So. Mm. Yeah, I've I've had to use that. It's necessary. Mm. Um and with say out like to promote stuff. What I found is with with say out to put that hat on of putting on poetry gigs, Facebook's dying. Like people people aren't paying attention to it as much. Mm. It's an it's a different generation that use it. Mm. Young people that are coming up the sort of between 16 and 21 year olds, 22 year olds, they just don't use it. Or if mm. they've got it, it's for family. They're mm. not looking to see what the next events are. Mm. I've had a little bit more success with Instagram because you as the account can then follow other people's accounts. Yeah. You have to do a little bit of farming, which also feels really creepy and weird sometimes to be like, oh, who's liked this picture? So, yeah. so example, I'm trying to do a thing where I go, what are the accounts in York that were similar to? So I go to like bands and I go, right, so who's liking this band page? Yeah, yeah. That are going to, who's going to yeah. gigs at these events? Here's a list of people. Oh, they're all like studenty types, or they're quite. Yeah, I'm going to follow them. The Twitter, you know, I don't care what they're posting, but it's trying to game the algorithms to be yeah. like, oh, this is part of the York live events circuit. Yeah. So that means that um, you're 
you're, yeah, you're trying to attract like that attention on on Instagram. But I'm not very I'm not very good at like talking on Instagram mm. because because we're a live events thing. <laughs> you post your live events, mm. but you do that after the event has happened. Mm. So I'm like, what content do I put on there mm. in approach to it? I guess if you're a band, you put can put on like, oh, I had a really good rehearsal today or like had some inspiration or I've gone to this other gig. But I find it quite weird. Like, what do I put on that social? I mean, it's probably social media people out there screaming, going, there's loads that you can put on. Mm. Um, but what I found difficult is I will put up, we're putting on this gig next week and it's going to be really good. A mm. couple of likes, mm. couple, maybe a retweet. We put on this event, look at all these smiley faces that came along to this brilliant gig, look mm. at the audience, look at the people performing, get quite a good response from it. Brilliant. Mm. That, and the events happen. Mm. Like, it's not, uh, it's not very, it's, I mean, it's useful because it's showing people going, oh, that was cool. But you get more response, response after the event than leading up to it. I but that, anyway. that, that's faces as well because you can yeah. put faces in the yeah. post. And then, I, I mean, it's that thing, like, so from my point of view, mm. I know I have to go and do a bunch of reels and stories and mm. stuff like that. And I just have to do it. And yeah, yeah. Like I keep sort of, oh, well, you know, I should wait until I get my hair cut or I should mm. do this or, you know, I need the right background. And the people that do it, they're just like doing it because mm. nobody cares about your background. They care about you yeah. being on there and what you're saying. Are you saying something in a funny way or mm. any, it, it's that, but it's like... Do you, do I want to be that? <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I do find there's like a bare minimum of like, and you know, do it right. Like I do put on the stuff that needs to be put on there, yeah. um, and I'm always like tweeting angry things. I'm annoyed <laughs> at the world. Um, but yeah, I don't. I'm not going too far down that. I did wonder about setting up a TikTok for myself because mm. I thought, you know, TikToks for for teenagers, young people. I'm like, cool, great. They need mm. that platform. And I started seeing like other things where people oh, like to, really yeah honest. so i go oh, okay yeah. maybe, maybe i will set up a little account mm. um i feel like i want to like create a list of things i want to do first and then go mm. on tiktok so i have a bit of a schedule because it seems like you have to have your vibe on there mm. i was thinking i might do little like 60 second history lessons on protest songs of all history and mm. and I, that's like a little side hobby thing that i have and that mm. can be quite an entertaining way of using social media without having to be like and there's a gig coming up or here's a show you want to listen to or here's his uh, angry opinion i have about the the government yeah, well, that that's it and it's kind of you bring to your work because it's social media you kind of bring to your work the habits and practices that you've had from being on social media, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is like, I'm angry about this. It's yeah. like, but you're working now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, yeah, there's the thing of like, oh, I'll tweet about this, I might get some juicy responses. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't, I don't really. Um, I don't know. God, I think, I think I look, sometimes I look back on my tweets because again, I'm just like, I have to like be on social media. I go, God, I'm tedious. Yeah. I'm saying nothing that no one else is saying. <laughs> this is just, just like grumpy, grumpy 33-year-old man on Twitter. Which is shocking news. <laughs> Lefty doesn't like government. Oh, wow. What a, what a scoop. <laughs> All right. Let's do UBI. Um, no, let's do climate change first. So, again, I use climate change as a sort of, you know, Mm. cipher for the bigger green agenda and all mm -hmm. the other terrible things that are happening um so in your work mm. is there anything that you can do to address or to mitigate climate change or is it something that you can't think about i mean i mm. suppose 
think about this in your freelance capacity as well. Like, I mean, in your work, can you build that in already? Or is it just like, I've just got to get the job and get the money in and then I can think about yeah, yeah. being green. Well, from a Chapel FM perspective, we've got a show called Think Global at Local, which mm -hmm. talks to different people um, in East Leeds and Leeds in general about things they're doing. So it's a really nice platform. So that's it's only like 30 minutes. So it's, it, they pack loads into a show. There's one, in fact, going out in exactly... 45 minutes there we go um so they've they've done eight episodes so far it's pretty good going and then um uh, we took a group of young people we had a climate group um to explore it unpack it of young people we took them to cop 26 to interview people to mm -hmm. talk to people we made some shows around that it was almost too much of too many interviews like we just had no idea like mm -hmm. how to manage it all but really i think that that really push them and nudge them to think and learn about these things even if they already had a bit of a bit of skin in the game a bit of interest in it mm. so and then in terms of our policy like we are actually only a small building we do have a ground source heat pump so we're already pretty green mm. um i did some i did some training um sale sustainability in arts uh, sustainable remember. arts in leeds sustainable arts in leeds yeah. yeah and that was really really good training and i really recommend it something that was interesting was they said i always like put this to people and i test them when i say so um opera north did a big audit of their climate um sustainability their their output their carbon footprint and what do you think is the thing that they is the biggest mm. that carbon uh, and people say oh, it's touring mm. it's actors it's the mm. buildings like no it's audiences coming mm. to the building mm. and that's sort of a bit difficult for arts organizations because our whole point is to bring audience to venue so i'm not going to speak for what uh, old uh, opera north have done you'll have to talk to their family on or, or listen to the episode yeah. oh Sail okay on, yeah. excellent Brilliant. <laughs> um so for us like we don't have huge numbers of people traveling here hmm. um it is linking up maybe some parents that live in the same area to do a car share or something mm. um but we do a lot remotely as well we've well, um, got that community focus as well which is you know yeah. like in terms of resilience building and so on people and, still and low driving though that was annoying yeah like, they like yeah I, it 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 feels like that's not i mean we look at like turning all our equipment off as, we're just doing little mm. bits and pieces but what our messaging really is trying to like have a green uh, so we work really closely with climate action seacroft mm. um and we work really closely with um we have worked with season well who look at like uh like uh, um foraging in mm. the area and we bring that to young people and we bring them interviews to people to talk to so it's sort of in embedded in a lot of the dna of what we do mm. with folks and it's something i thought about i didn't really get around to it but like having a, a month where we, it was a green month and all shows had to do something around the climate crisis, mm. whether, and if they're a music show, all it is is like they have to at least source a story of a band that have decided to go by train and talk about that mm. or some songs written, at, not not just Big Yellow Taxi, like some songs that are about the climate crisis mm. in some way. And mm. some shows that see from others have said, think global at local, that's just a normal show for them. Mm. Um, for, um, someone like i'm um, just thinking like i guess like maybe sports talk they could talk about like uh not allotmenting but they could they could look at some sports that are really outdoor sports that's well maybe maybe uniforms or like you know yeah. kits and where they're sourced from and, yeah yeah and... anyway so so that was like a little thing and it didn't quite happen um uh, just because i just had other things but i think that's something i will put in the bag for next time about like 
yeah, pushing people on that so that even if it's just five minutes of your show, you have to consider mm. this in the broadcast. Mm. So that's that's with Chapel FM Art Centre, obviously always more that you can do. Mm. In terms of like freelance work, again, I think it's the same with Brexit of it's just got to feed into everything that you talk about and say, and it's a, it is a duty as an artist. So um, I've written pieces about the youth strike and you know not to be like well i've written a poem about it so that'll solve the problem but to bring that into open mic spaces it's something i was quite proud of actually that when i was going to a lot more open mics and i mean that as well as music open mics that actually it's quite nice to have someone get up and go this is a poem about how things are in the world like and to bring like to put that into people's spaces yeah. in between the covers of the beatles and people doing blue songs <laughs> like to to put that to folks so to talk about it and and to make that an important aspect of of your art really and loads of there's loads of theater companies are making shows about it mm. um but yeah finding a way to embed it in in what you do i guess in terms of i do feel really guilty i do drive a lot really and i need to cut down i mean coming into work i try and make sure that i i i, I, I come in from york so i try and make sure at least once a week I get the bus or mm. i work from home or mm. i just or i just navigate how much i'm my carbon footprint um, it's, yeah, not, it's not enough, but yeah. but also you had to work as well, you know. <laughs> and I, th I think like I mean, you know, the, the it's a bit of a cop out. Yeah, we all need to do something, but it needs to be massive. It it just needs massive change. It needs. System but that's change. it. It's, it's, it's yeah. It's it's the system change um, element. It's it's kind of like like you can only do so much. Yeah, and it's kind of like well. But these are the systems that are in place already. So yeah. there are roads built. I, there are cars. Yeah. I have a car. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I guess one thing I could do, I, you know, I could buy an electric car. But, and this is, I don't know if this sounds... Yeah, but you enough. can't just buy it but out that, of nowhere. Said, that's all my, that's every, all my savings. Yeah. That's not, I would have nothing. I would have no fallback. Like mm. everything that I've saved up over the years mm. and more. Like mm. I, I, that's gone on one thing. Mm. And all it takes is that to get stolen or mm. in an accident that isn't mm. my fault and that's everything or not work or not work yeah <laughs> and also i've been reading stuff that there is just isn't enough lithium in the world to create enough batteries in the mm. world to yeah. build every get an electric car so all those factors but i guess i guess it's like those constant conversations with with people and i think but i think the conversations are so like muddied like I, I just i keep going back to this interview i heard on bbc york where this woman said we need to go back we need to go back 50 years and the person in the interview went you mean to the 70s? Like, we had a massive reliance on oil in the 70s. Oil was, like, hugely affecting the economy. Mm. What she meant was the 1950s. Mm. And you go, but what? We're massively reliant on coal. She meant, you know, eventually when when this, when this um, broadcaster presenter, like, got more detail out of her, she sort of meant, you know, our m milk floats, like, and, and that you recycle a lot. And absolutely, that's totally what you need to do. Mm. But then... She had this narrative where she said, well, I don't, I don't get takeaways. I don't go into McDonald's. I don't buy from those places. So I don't litter. So I don't like get that, that plastic yeah, from them. And you I, go, I right. Yeah. Okay. And then so nothing said, comes into your house wrapped in plastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So you, 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 yeah, you're not, it's impossible for you to completely avoid that. But for her, cause she doesn't go to, to Costa was her mm. example. She doesn't enter into this cycle. Um, but then when pushed, she drives a diesel car mm. and and um, the presenter, sorry, this is a weird anecdote, but I think it just is really <laughs> highlighting this like 
weird disparity we have around the conversation. She said, oh, well, me, me buying an electric car isn't going to solve the problem. And she's right. Her ditching her diesel car for an electric car won't suddenly solve everything. Mm. But you go, but, but literally in five minutes, she's making the case of, well, I do this, so I do my bit by not going to McDonald's. Mm. But I'm not going to go further and do that bit for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people have a real... I guess it's like individualistic thing of like, well, de- like being very defensive, but yeah. also like, yeah, the the lines of where they. But it's that thing. I've, I read this thing years ago. I don't know how valid it was. Um, but the, it was basically saying, you know, when people recycle, mm. it's like, well, I've done a good thing. So yeah. So I now I, I can fly to you know. <laughs> Sydney now, <laughs> and 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 because have recycled one can. Yeah, and pe- and I, you know, again, these I, I think it's become such a yeah a, a politicized, a generally a politicized thing to be like. It's life, well, I've, I've recycled, it's like lifestyle. I've, I've just recycled. Yeah. So yeah. that they've, and I, I, I just think it's like, it's like urinating in the sea. Like mm. uh, you know, it's not. It's it's like, great. You're adding to the sea, but mm. like it's not. It's not enough. But like. I mean, I, I, you know, I think it's a cultural thing. Mm. I do think the more that we talk about sustainability, mm. the more we talk about it recycling, the more we make that a thing mm. that is changing our culture. But this is something that should have happened 30, 40 years ago. Absolutely. If this was the, if these conversations were happening then, we might not be in this yeah. real dire situation we are with the climate crisis at the moment. But it's too little, too late. The one that absolutely grinds my gears is people saying to young people, "Oh, just like go to uni, become a scientist, and grow up to change things." It's mm. like, but we have the scientists yeah we have people yeah. warning folks trying to make changes um we don't have time we don't have time but, but, to wait 30 years yeah but this, this is this yeah. is the thing all of those people are the people that have been doing that for the past 30 years and it's like oh it, it you know it's not the problem with us it's, yeah. the problem is you you're the ones that are in the way yes <laughs> Fuck yeah. off out of the way yeah <laughs> so i think i think like yeah, it is our duty as as artists to keep like pushing, changing this narrative. And I think I'm a little bit chameleonic. It's who I'm talking to. I mm. I try and shift that. So like someone that is a bit like, what more can I do? I, I sort of go, okay, well, here's all the things you can do. Mm. If someone is like, oh, there's no point, it's hopeless. I'm like, no, no, no. Like this is this is a cultural thing. It is making a change mm. in, in what you're doing. And um, yeah, like, you know, from, from the... Yeah, yeah. People going like, "Well, just buy local." But it's, it's, it's a good it, thing. Yeah, it, do buy local. It's talked but... about in narrow, narrow confines yeah. as well. Like you know, even within. So you see these various bits, but it's not like they they say on the news this is going to threaten your food supply. Yeah, yeah, like you know, they're not talking about breadbasket failures in mm. in India because of fifty degree heats or these like mm. rapid droughts that are just happening in France and America and stuff and like. You know, you need what it's like a really low level amount of these breadbasket failures, and this is like huge starvation globally. Um, and and it's like that is full on red alert mm. crisis level. Mm-hmm. Need to do something about this, and we're still sitting in a world post pandemic from governments that had been warned that this is your biggest risk, mm. who did nothing. Mm. Um, and it's just mind boggling. It's mind boggling the way the, the the situation we're in. And the climate crisis will create more refugee crises. The next, yeah. like, um, you know, and w- what I find, it, I, this goes into what I was saying about Brexit and this like really like anti-immigrant, anti-asylum seeker, anti-refugee narrative that again, it's always been there, but it's totally being inflamed and, mm. and put in place a hard right government that essentially doing policies that the um, the National Front were talking about in mm. the 70s, 80s. And 
Um, and you can look that up. If you can fact check that, there's like things that they're talking about that 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 are literally this government are doing, and um, and I think that um, the the difference between, for example, what we saw with the Syrian refugee crisis was um, war happens and bombs are dropped, armies go in, cities are destroyed over the course of um, a few months, a few weeks, even literal days. Yeah, you yeah. can become a refugee in an hour, it's like one bomb, your home's destroyed, you then you have that horrible status now. And with the climate crisis, it is much slower. It is, it is happening. There's already climate refugees, but as islands are slowly, um, uh, not, they're not vanishing, but becoming le like less livable, less, less sustainable as, as certain parts of the world become more and more hostile places to live, slowly you're growing more refugees. And that is, it, it, it it's just happening over time and countries that have the resources to barricade themselves and protect themselves. But like no, we are no the country does. I mean, it's, it's like you don't have enough bullets. You do not like, what are you, what are you going to do? This, this is the thing mm. that it gets me of like, right. So when London goes underwater, what are we going to do? We're going to build a big wall across mm. the Watford gap and yeah. put like machine guns on like, how many bullets are you going to need to kill those 8 million people or yeah. whatever coming out? Yeah. yeah. It's like, where do you stop with that logic? Yeah. And, and what you, you don't think that human beings, human beings, large groups of human yeah. beings who are desperate and together won't think of clever ways around these things yeah, yeah. and won't be a bit annoyed when they do get around them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So all, all this is like, it's cult it's cultural, but it's, it's, of, of change and talking and, and stuff and getting out mm. an artist needing to be outside our comfort zones a little bit, which is a whole thing of like how you convince people to not be rubbish and create a market for it. That yeah. Pay you. So. <laughs> yeah. That as well. <laughs> yeah. So I'll do, I'll do the change question first mm. and then I'll do UBI. Um, so if you could change any three things about your work, mm. what would you change? I'll do one each for the different hats, okay, if that's yeah. all right. So for here at, the, here at Chapel FM Art Centre, um, something I would I would like to change is people's perception of what an art centre is. And I think we try really hard, but I always think about what do people, and we talk about this a lot actually in the building, what do people literally see, mm. not even when they walk through the door, when they walk past, like kids will come and go, what do you do here? Mm. Um, and walking over that threshold is still a big thing in the arts because people were told you can't be an artist, you can't make poetry, you can't be creative. And so that's what I'd change is not, not people's perception, like I didn't a magic wand and go, hey, hey, you over there, you have a different perception, mm. but that that next generation growing up know that these spaces are for them. Mm. Or, or if they don't feel they're for them, how can we change that to make sure it's an open door that they can access it? So that's something about like how arts is seen. I'm, I'm you know, one person said, was like, we were, we were doing a, um, an outside broadcast and I said, oh, you should come along and get involved in the radio. And they, I, I, it was as if I'd said, do you want to come to Mars? This idea that they could come and do stuff on the radio. Heck, pop along, come and do some stuff on the radio. That's what we're all about. So yeah, that, that again, cultural shifts is what we're saying. Um, and then with Say Out, um, what I'd really like to change is, um, uh, I don't know, what was the thing I had to change? Just more people coming to poetry. I see some of the thing, answer, I suppose. Just I just want more people to come through through the door, really, mm. and come and get involved. I think some of that I've found with um, 
last 10 years of say out or eight years we're doing say out is like poets wanted to upskill their craft and i feel like we've had a lot of people having a go which is mm. great and they mm. come along and they have a go at a slam or have a go at an open mic mm. we never really see them again i've always been a big believer that okay you you push your craft and come and get involved so yeah like building growing a scene but you know if you build it, they'll come, but I still want people to come to it. So yeah, people come into getting involved and trying and pushing themselves mm. harder um, as artists, as you know, I should do, we should do. And then as a, as a, as a freelancer, I don't know, as I'm writing this book, like what I'd like to change, maybe this is a hope rather than a change, but I like to, I'd like to have like a little, little couple of hours every week to be able to work on my book. That'd be nice. Mm. Um, so I guess like, I'd, I'd like a, it's not, is it change? Well, it's change in that. It's just a hope. I don't know. I've, I've ruined it, Simon. I've just said what I'd like to. Just making time. <laughs> yeah, it's making time. I like to make time to write, to write a more, a, another poetry collection or to finish writing this nonfiction book yeah. that I'm writing. More, more time and more money is quite popular in yeah. terms of resources because it's kind of like, I need to do more. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like the lander should, like I've got mates that are like, oh, I'd love to make a load of money. I'd love to be in this big mm. position. And I was like, I don't really want, I want to be so comfortable i don't i've been able to live my life with very not much money i mean i don't have any dependence right i'll put that out there like yeah. yes i'm i'm a able-bodied person and i don't have um children or elderly family to look after so like i can survive without very much money as long as i can buy a new board game every so often as long mm. as i can chip in some money to help different organizations and solidarity groups like fine i don't i don't need lots of money will you ever be able to have a house though uh, I mean, I, I, does, I know enough millennials my age that have bought a house and I think they're traitors. I hate, I, I'm so, I'm so like, how are you doing it? I mean, it is, it is, yeah, it is a little bit annoying. There are a few that I clock, um, that haven't been able to do it. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I sort of like, yeah, maybe it's because I've conditioned myself to go and never be able to have one that I have. I can't begin to think about that mm. or like where I am. I mean, I've always been in York, so it's not about where I'll be in the world, but like the ups and downs of it, I sort of went, oh no, like, it's like having kids as well, to be really honest. I was like, I mean, my current partner, she doesn't really want kids and I'm fine to not have kids. Like it's not a massive priority for me, but it is that thing of like, when can I even think about that? Mm. And, but then, you know, that someone could argue and go, look, if you, you make it work, you, if you want that, yeah, yeah. If that's some of a priority you, you turn around, you try and make being a homeowner work you try and make having kids work so I, I it's about like where you are and your your priorities and that's i guess that like going back to that question of change and but stuff. it's also about where you are you know i mean it becomes it, it's kind of like those financial questions can be s switched up i don't know what i'm trying to say here but it's it's like what i'm thinking about is the experience of sort of going into lockdown because i've mm. talked to sort of other freelancers and artsy people and it's it's kind of like you know, if you are sick or you are, mm. or you can't work or you can't look for work or you can't get work, um, you know, you need, you need either, a, you need some sort of hedge, you need yeah. like oh, some yeah, savings so, behind yeah, you or yeah. something that can get you through that kind of thing. Um, but we'll go, we'll go straight into the UBI question because mm. it might sort of come back up again. Um, so if there was a UBI, would you still work? If you would still work, would you still do this job or the jobs that you're doing now? Or how do you think it would change things? Yeah, I mean, I'd still, look, I'm really, I, I mean, I've been in a very privileged position that every job I've had, even the stuff that was just to pay the rent, like I've never had a job that I absolutely hated. Mm. Um, even like working in the escape room was quite a fun thing when you had a good 
team in. Mm. Like at the Theatre Royal, it was part of a really nice team of ushers and you were facilitating people seeing mostly good mm. theatre mm. and shows. So I, I do feel I've been, uh, I mean, I even worked on like most boringest job I had was when I was flyering for um, tourist buses in, in York and you had to like sell them this like tourist experience. <laughs> like it was fine. Like, um, so anyway, so, so I guess like I would like to still be doing this, the, the work I do, mm. but like, yeah, it would be nice to go to three days and, and, and share it actually. Like I could easily like coordinate with another person. Yeah. Like actually it would be really nice if it was more of a team and different people looking at different things. Mm. Um, and actually I'd be able to be creative and keep doing other artistic endeavors. Mm. So that would be really nice. Um, but yeah, like, I mean. I do believe that like work steals from us as much as I said, I love my job, even jobs that you love mm. and you care about, like the, the concept of you have to come to this place. And if you don't, you're probably going to die because you won't get any money for food. <laughs> like, mm. and, and, and as you say, like quite rightly that people that don't have those savings to fall back on, if you are working class, if you are disabled, um, if you are in the LGBT community that has, doesn't have like has the prejudice against you that you have been kicked out by your family or you don't have that family support yeah, yeah. back on or you don't have like work to fall back on or yeah. mental health isn't great that that yeah like you're you're priced out of what i do the new air quotes normality the normal thing mm. of getting a job and working you mm. can't do that so you're you're not normal and you're you're at risk so yeah of course absolutely like that you need to like chip away at this idea of what like work is a good thing so ubi is obviously like mm. one model that you can use to sort of go okay it's not about working nine to five five um to get to that point i guess that's my ramble i don't i've not really had much chance to think about ubi i mean is, that is, is not is not working a good thing i mean that's like utopian and idea and is looking yeah. for work is looking for work working or not working yeah <laughs> yeah and that's and that's something where like um i can't remember its specific name but like the bradford one in 12 i think they were host that you know they formed like a unemployed persons union mm. like representation like where's the representation for people that are unemployed i mean mm. since 20 i mean again this has always existed but like since 2010 the narrative ramped up about scroungers and shirkers mm. um and people that if you don't work your you know, if you're on benefits, then you're scum and you're lazy and you're a bad person. You are like, there's a weird, like Protestanty, Victorian idea of like bad things, bad, not working. And where's those yeah. people's say? And they're not like maybe one political party for a bit sort of were like, mm. we'll stand up for those people, but it's still about, and we'll get them into work. We'll, we'll make sure there's mm. work for everyone, mm. which is, yeah, work is is not intrinsically a good thing. Like, mm. you know, a job might, I guess a job might be, uh, maybe that's some way to distinguish it. A job might it, be a good thing to have. It's ha hard. But, the language is hard yeah. because I would, uh, you know, I, I like to think of it as I hate jobs. I don't hate yeah. work. I hate jobs. Yeah. I hate jobs. I hate going into jobs and I hate like, you know, I don't hate all my bosses, but I hate having a boss. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's good to have someone you know i quite like to have supervision or someone to work with mm -hmm. or you know someone that kind of like keeps you in check and keeps you sort of at a, at a level yeah um but yeah it's it, once you start trying to make distinctions of like what these words actually mean and how i actually define them it, it gets slippy and that's where like 
you know, when you're working in arts, like, and you're a freelancer and you're doing the thing you love, like you go, every time I'm writing a poem, is that a product I'm creating that I can sell to mm. live audience or mm. in a book? Mm. Um, I mean, there's a weird And thing. is it also coming from my heart? Is it yeah. a piece of me? Is it a piece of me that I'm ripping out and commodifying? Yeah. <laughs> if you, yeah, like I go, sometimes I have gone, I need to write this poem. You know, is it because I want to talk about this really important subject matter? As mm. said, it's your duty to make sure that those are being discussed in spaces and you are platforming progressive ideas mm. or is it that you go i just want to write a gag poem because this will go down really well at this thing i need to get people on side so i need something funny and then you have to, you, you pause and you go oh am i just like producing something is this work i am creating uh, uh this is getting in sort of marxist theory i suppose but i am like that my labor is creating this poem that i will then hopefully make a bit of money on i mean i do i do think there is a thing in arts of like are you just like cashing in on a thing and you you mm. know you you're, you're getting money from a from trauma or money from a from an issue, and um, I can safely say I've never been paid grand sums of money to for like mm. being like a white person talking about racism. Kaching, here's a load of money. Mm. I don't I don't think I've ever had that, but I do think that probably does exist in some spheres or mm. the climate crisis. Going like I'm going to say something important about the climate crisis. Mm. Where's my check, please? Like mm. you know, and yeah, not people need to get paid. Don't get me wrong, um, but I think that. Yeah, that that reflection of like, am I just a, I'm in the marketplace, and also like scarily, you go in front of a group of people, you've got your book to sell, mm. you're selling yourself. You are going like, please buy my book. It mm. is ten pounds. It cost me, I can't remember, like you know, it's four pounds for my publisher. Mm. So that's 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 six pounds. If I sell two, that's almost like the living wage, like, and that's paid for an hour of my time. So like, mm. come buy my products, buy me, like, and if I don't do a good enough sell, I might not be able to <laughs> get that 12 pounds. Yeah. Anyway, I, it, it, it's a, it's a, yeah, frustrating position to be in as a, mm. as a, as an artist selling one's self, <laughs> even though that exchange is, should be a positive one of like, Hey. Uh, you know, I always say we're storytelling apes and we sit around a campfire and we go, mm. I'm going to tell you where the best buffalo are. Mm. Um, and and now we are a storytelling artist. So we're like, hey, I'm a human. You're a human. Here's a thing you should know about what it's like to have the shared experience. Um, so that's great. But also I've got a book to sell. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you again to Henry for being my guest. Thanks again to all my guests. And thanks to you, Leeds, for being my subject. And of course, most of all, thanks to you, my dear listener. Come back next week to hear me speak to a man who works with people and data. Life is getting harder again. It's getting worse again. What you are doing now is what you are doing about climate change. It's okay. Hold on. Don't panic. Breathe. Take your time think make sure you are okay first then do what you can to help others be careful with hope hope can fail you it won't get better but you must you must keep going and try to carry those who fall as much as you can leeds is a city that has declared a climate emergency it has also opened its homes to refugees and it was a city that voted to remain in the eu but we're not a monolith. There is opposition to each of those things here as well. There are loiners in the middle and there are loiners who couldn't give a monkeys. If you give a monkeys, please come on this show. You need to represent. No matter what you do for work, you make nuclear bombs. Okay, awful, but come on the show. How did that happen to you? What do you think about doing that? Do you think about doing that? Are you a spook or a narc? Come on and lie to me. 
normal people come on the show and be your honest selves. I'm going to close out this week with some Francis of Assisi. I might have said this before, but it's well worth repeating. Start by doing what's necessary, then do what's possible, and suddenly you are doing the impossible. Okay, that's me. Cheers, ears. Take care out there and do be kind to each other, leads. If you're listening to this, I assume you have some connection to Leeds, like living here or being from here. If you're such a person in Leeds or from Leeds and you haven't done your recording for working hours yet, then don't wait. Email me now, right now. Quick, get a pen. Workinghourspod at western-studios.com. If you fancy being my guest, put guest in the subject line of your email and add a short bio in the message. Stick in some suggestions of your availability and I'll send you a release form and a Zoom invite. If you'd like to be on working hours, I will need a two-hour window for us to record in. I can record in your work time or during your downtime. I have been recording interviews for working hours for every year on Zoom, but I can also record offline. You can appear on working hours anonymously or you can promote yourself and or your company or brand cleaner or owner what is your experience how do you feel about work what do you like and not like what do you do leads be a part of local history have your voice heard share your wisdom give us the inside skinny this is your show leads and it's all about what you make of yourself do you know what you're doing if you do then come and tell me all about it come on working hours even if you don't know what you're doing i certainly don't email me right now quick get a pen workinghourspod at western-studios.com. If you're allowed to do that, that is. If you're not allowed to do that, then tell me why. If you and your business aren't ashamed of what you do, then let's hear all about it. What good are you doing the rest of us? Are you socially useful? Am I? Is this? Send your feedback, questions, comments, and queries right now to workinghourspod at western-studios.com. What is happening, Leeds? Find out by following this show on Twitter at Working Hours 3 and on Instagram at Working Hours Pod Leads to find out when new episodes are going to be released. Or just use the hashtag hash Working Hours Pod Leads on either of those sites to find me. I'm on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Western underscore studios underscore leads. I'm also on LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash Simon hyphen Treen. Treen is T R E N. Or you can go to my company page, which is linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Western hyphen studios. If you want to make a podcast in Leeds, whether it's for a cause, a publicity campaign, a product promotion, or your own passion project, then get in touch with me, Western Studios, for support, advice, and guidance on anything podcasts. At Western Studios, you work with a real life lawyer who is actually in Leeds, who you can actually work with on making podcast content. So don't wade through articles and videos and podcasts about how to make podcasts. Just get on with it. Western Studios can make your podcast with you or even for you. Western Studios can take on your podcast's boring, time-consuming and painful admin, recording, editing, transcription, whatever. Tell me about it. I feel your pain. For a charge, I'll share it. Writers, what are you doing with your lives? Hopefully you're writing. Well, I know there are listeners out there who want to hear great original writing performed as audio content and made in Leeds. How do I know this? Because I'm one of them. Help me make Muck for Brass, a series of short stories, poems, performers, whatever, all published as podcast content. Is your work arty, salacious, pulpy, strange? Good. I want to make it a podcast. I get practice making the show. 
and you get a finished, performed and published version of your writing. Businesses, campaigns, brands, got an inkling that you'd like a podcast but don't know where to start? Hit me up at makemypodcast at western-studios.com and we'll start making your podcast straight away. The first hour of arranged consultation and pre-production time is free. So what do you have to lose? And what are you waiting for? Save yourself the hassle and the headache and make your podcast with a leads-based, in real life, podcast producer, that's me, Western Studios Leads. Once again, please let Working Hours get big and strong by joining its Patreon. Support Working Hours by becoming a champion on Patreon for a pound a month. You can inspire me and motivate me with a membership and maybe one day even be helping to cover all my costs. You can chat to me there and see me do a monthly live stream where, again, you can chat to me all about the show and, God, do I need to find someone to actively share this project with. Go to patreon.com forward slash working hours pod right now and sign up, please. And or go to Kofi, that's K-O hyphen F-I dot com forward slash working hours and join me there for a pound a month and get access to the working hours discord and chat to me there. I will be putting up additional material on Kofi once there are any members there. Please do remember to like, share, follow and subscribe to this show. Every little bit helps. Tell your grand, tell your housekeeper, tell your gardener, tell your parole officer, tell your boss, tell leads and I'll see thee next time, our kid. Working Hours is presented, edited and recorded by Simon Treen for Western Studios Leeds Limited. The music was The Bees from Chopin's Etudes, which is in the public domain and was taken from museopen.org.